Welcome to episode 11 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. My name is Neil Gilbert. I will be joined shortly by my good friend, my co-host, the man who secretly hates the N64, Mike Lane, very soon. I highly recommend that you ready yourself a bowl of chips, or maybe some bugles if you're feeling adventurous. Pour yourself a nice cold glass of Five Alive, and let's travel back to the sports games that were fun for those of us who didn't know who Ronaldo was. NHL Hits 2002 we know hits. NHL Hits 2002 is adrenaline hockey featuring big hits, rocket goals, and ferocious gameplay. Exclusive adrenaline style 3 on 3 gameplay featuring more than 1,000 high impact motion captured moves and beautifully detailed player models. Hard checking action so fierce it literally sends players over the boards, through the glass, and into the seats. In game jukebox featuring hit songs from Limp Biscuit, Corn, Fuel, Stain, and more. Good Charlotte. First, next generation 3D crowd cheers your every move and reacts to the action on the ice. There's like 50 people in the stands. NBA Street. Hold the court against street legends. Take on the ultimate level boss. Go toe-to-toe with MJ. Bring it. Three-on-three street ball. Center stage where ballers come to play. That sucked. NFL Blitz 2002. Real teams, real players, real attitude. Reinvented for the next generation consoles. The all-new NFL Blitz 2002 is over-the-top, no refs, no rules, no mercy, football mayhem, realistic player models and stadiums, lightning-quick 8-on-8 blitz format, revolutionary impact player system, more than 1,500 new animations, Red Card 2003, not to be confused with the pop band Yellow Card, different game, different rules, features Red Card 2003 is an all-new 11-on-11 midway sports adrenaline-style soccer video game. Aggressive gameplay lets you kick, tackle, and score in a larger-than-life three-dimensional style. 50 international teams fight for the cup championship. International pageantry. Fanatical fans rain cheers or jeers from the swollen stadiums above. Unlock multiple hidden characters, stadiums, attributes, and other secrets. NFL Blitz 2003. What's football without the Blitz? Sack up and get ready for NFL Blitz 2003, a gridiron firestorm of hard hits, outrageous moves, flying tackles, and things usually left to the imagination. Features, I'm not reading all this. Thank you. MLB Slugfest 2004, better than real. The top selling, critically acclaimed, and only aggressive style baseball video game is back with a ton of new features. A new create a team, build your own powerhouse all-star ball club. New customizable instant replay, relive towering home runs and diving catches from any angle. New home run derby, square off against the team's most feared home run hitters. New signature batting stances and pitching motions. New on fire, pitching, shut down the offensive team to catch an extra boost. New expanded and updated rosters, uniforms, and stadiums. Plenty of hard tags, chin music, and spikes. High slides. Ignite your game. Backyard Baseball. Play with the pros as kids. It's big time 3D baseball action with the Backyard Kids and the kids version of Major League Baseball stars. Choose up sides, pick your favorite MLB uniform, and play ball on a cool field. There's a beach, a gator swamp, even a scrapyard. Strike out as a superstar or hit a homer to win it for your team. NBA Street Volume 2. Bigger than life moves. Hook up for a four-man showdown. Old school returns with NBA legends. Bring it on authentic urban courts. All new signature moves. Above the rim gameplay. NHL Hits Pro. Think you know NHL Hits? Think again. It's time to go pro with the new NHL Hits Pro. 
For the first time, authentic NHL features die-hard hockey fans demand have been combined with Midway Sports' trademark Fast and Furious gameplay, delivering all-new NHL Hits Pro experience, different from what you'd get with any other hockey game. New 5-on-5 authentic NHL action, in-depth franchise mode, score with new wraparounds and deflections, realistic 3D reactive crowds, new motion capture pro-style animations, all-new pro-style AI, plus even more new features. NFL Blitz Pro. Remember what I said about these games feeling repetitive? How are those bugles treating you? Think you know NFL Blitz? Think again. It's time to go pro with the new... This is the same write-up for NHL. It's time to go pro with the new NFL Blitz Pro. For the first time, authentic NFL features die-hard football fans demand have been combined with Midway Sports trademark Fast and Furious gameplay, delivering an all-new NFL Blitz Pro experience different from what you'd expect from Blitz and different from what you'll get from any other football video game. New 11-on-11 authentic NHL... NFC and FL action, new blitz style running game, new interactive sidelines, all new pro AI, new motion captured pro style animations. I could re-record this, but I'm not going to. NFL Street, football stylized, attitude energized, hard hitting, high flying, seven on seven action. Hundreds of NFL stars and legends play both sides of the ball. Hound opponents on eight urban gridirons. Featuring new music from X Executioner, Fuel, Lost Profits, DJ Casley, 3 Six Mafia, and more. Freestyle Street Soccer. Freestyle Street Soccer takes the sport back to its roots with teams competing against their rivals for the right to be the crown kings of the streets. Build your own team and make them a force to be reckoned with, ready to annihilate all corners. First ever arcade street soccer video game. NFL Street 2. Master High Flying Football. Battle for hot spots to unlock new NFL legends. Defy gravity with all new wall moves. Create a baller and annihilate on 12 new fields. Six new street events, including Crush the Carrier, where I'm assuming you attack newspaper carriers. NBA Street, Volume 3. Leave your mark with the trick stick. All new trick stick. Don't tell me what it means, okay? New Game Breaker Control. Court Creator. Dominate the streets. Mario's in this game! Yay! Cool! FIFA Street. Win with style. The world's best players in 4-on-4 matchups. Charge your Game Breaker with tricked out moves. Express your style with the trick stick. Global Street Venues. FIFA Street 2. How's your 5 Alive doing? Play or be played. Featuring 320 pro superstars, all new trick stick moves. See this trick stick. One-on-one -on -one skill battles, create your own pitch. Backyard Sports Baseball, 2007. Real Major League action, new pros, plays, and strategies. All 30 Major League teams plus 10 backyard teams. Current MLB pros as kids. Poles, A-Rod, Jeter, Ichiro, Pinnacle, and more. On to the rest of the show. I thank you so much for listening to this segment. Uh, we really enjoy doing it, and we thank you so much for your support. Now, future Neil and Mike, take it away. The GameCube, GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. GameCube. 
So Mike, how are you doing this week so far? Oh, not bad. Just just had a long trip uh, back from the cottage. And it was, uh, it was uh, you know, big storm. So, you know, people. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of like warnings. I think I got two texts yesterday. Mike and I, for those that don't know, we live in Ontario, which if you live in Ontario and you're scared of storms, you're either five years old or a dog. I don't think you have any reason to be scared of storms. <laughs> In, in Ontario, like your house isn't going to be destroyed by a half hour rainstorm here. Like if you live south, like, I don't know, New Orleans or like Hawaii or something like that, then when a storm warning comes through, you better duck and cover. But like yeah, to get a yeah. tornado warning and get and hear tweets saying like everyone be safe out there when it's like a half hour of a little bit of rain. And then by dinner time, it's sunny and people are playing basketball outside again. Uh, we can everybody can just calm down with that. Yeah, I mean, that's that is like the classic just like. Especially in Canada, just weather. Well, we like to complain about it in the wintertime, which I totally get. I mean, there are sometimes weeks and then months eventually where, you know, it, it's below zero, it's gray, it's windy, it's, you know, snow eventually just gets annoying. But there's only really like nowadays, maybe one th- max three really bad storms a year where, you know, cars swerve out of control. But that's just because people are stupid. That's not really <laughs> the weather. Yeah, uh, Exactly. I was doing a bit of thinking this week about uh, public bathrooms, and mm-hmm. uh, as as one does. <laughs> First of all, are we ever going to go into one again? Mm. But also, I, I was thinking about those koala bear change tables. <laughs> you know what I'm talking of about? Of course, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you ever seen what, some one of those being used? <laughs> so Can we get rid of them? We should probably do some research on that. I'd like to see what, their, maybe, what their sales were for 2020. We, oh, oh my God. Well, not even just, I'm just wondering, like, that koala bear logo is in every single washroom that I've ever been in in my entire life. Every change room, every pool, every McDonald's, every Tim Hortons, every Walmart, it's there. So that company has made bank in the last 20 <laughs> to 30 years. There's no doubt that they're doing fine. I'm just wondering, has maybe there are women that use them. I mean, we can get a, maybe if we can get a female uh, opinion on this, that would be terrific. I'm just saying that in all the men's rooms that I've been in, which at this point has got to be in the thousands, I have not seen one baby on one of those tables <laughs> at all. Not saying that there aren't single dads out there. There are. Uh, and props to them, you know, taking your kid out shopping. I think that's great. But just (laughs) I think that we can do away with that and maybe put an extra hand dryer in there or something like that, because sometimes those are overused and I need I need to get out. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have never actually seen them being used as well. You know, and and Koala, like the Koala brand, I guess you Mm -hmm. could call it. uh, I love that they have like a full monopoly on that. And I, I also just love brands that have monopolies on strange things. Like, um, yeah. Reynolds aluminum wrap. There's no other aluminum, like, uh, wrap other than the no names, other than the ones that are like part of the store. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Reynolds do anything else? Like, no. that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. And it's always just Reynolds and then the no name brand or yeah. the great value brand. Yeah. So, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. But anyway, that's my rant of the day. That That's that kind of consumed much of my thought this week for some reason. That's good. Well, it's funny because I don't think I would have ever thought of koala bear uh, changing tables on my own. So thank you for bringing that back into my consciousness. You're welcome. And I also want to know how much they cost and who you have to call to even get one. I guess there's a number on there for if you have like an issue, if it's damaged, but I have no idea what they're worth or or any part (laughs) of it. I wonder who's the supplier is for the Northeast. Let's get, I don't know. Let's get them on the line. Yeah, there's probably one guy just waiting for a Tim Hortons to open so he can sell two more. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we do promise uh, to welcome you to the GameCube Was Cool podcast. And this is episode 11, 
arcade sports games. Uh, I am Neil Gilbert. I'm joined here with my co-host, Mike Lane. Hello. Uh, We are a weekly podcast. We uh, come on out every Thursday morning on your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, The Works, all that good stuff. And we like to just go back and uh, reminisce about the GameCube from back in the day. If you were lucky enough to be around in that time from 2001 to 2006, we like to just go back and remember what it was like when those games came out. Uh, we don't review the games. We just kind of talk about our memories and if the games hold up uh, in current day, if they're worth going back to or maybe skipping, and any sort of fun facts about the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to have a lot of fun facts about these games that are going to be coming up. And so, like Neil said, this is the arcade sports game episode. And what we mean by arcade sports games are sports games that were originally meant for arcade machines in the 90s. And with the obviously popularity of consoles uh, in the early 2000s and beyond, uh, they a lot of these games ended up getting new games and new creations, I guess, for consoles, but were definitely had that original arcadey feel. Yeah, these games were far more accessible, just coming from someone who doesn't uh, dip into actual sports games like FIFA and NHL. These games are far... Those would be called simulation games, just for reference sure. here. Yeah, like you can go back and listen to our FIFA episode and we'll have more to come with NBA games and NHL games. Uh, but the, these games are far more accessible to people like me who just want to play a quick game of three-on-three hockey with some really weird power-ups <laughs> and nice, short, sweet, bite-sized games mm-hmm. um, that are just all about fun and uh, replayability as well. Because there isn't much of like a story in these games. It's just kind of local co-op or just something to play really quick while you're getting ready for school or doing something else and you just need something quick to play. That's right. Yeah, so just to get started while we ease into this uh, this episode, we just wanted to talk up front about some of the major developers and publishers of these games, which became really beloved in this generation. First one I want to talk about would be EA Sports Big, which is a uh, publishing arm of EA Sports as we know them now. They publish FIFA every single year as well as the NHL franchises. Uh, sorry, EA Sports Big. Big. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're huge. Uh, they unfortunately are no longer around. They They weren't big enough, I suppose. I highly recommend an article uh, from the usgamer.net. It's called The Rise and Fall of EA Sports Big, as told by the creator of SSX. We're not going to be talking about SSX today. We're, we're talking about the, those games in other episodes. But anyway, this article, it uh, dives into an interview with the, the creator of really like the brainchild of EA Sports Big by the name of Steven Rechschaffner. It's kind of a tough name to say, but uh, he, he's the creator of SSX and NBA Street, which were the two big franchises coming out of EA Sports Big. And the two first uh, ones for EA Sports Big. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, but he was the brainchild behind this idea of combining arcade sports into um, sports games. And uh, what's interesting is he's actually, or he was, a competitive freestyle skier for the U.S. freestyle ski team from 1978 oh, cool. to 1981. After he did that, he, uh, he actually kind of transitioned into marketing and things like that for companies such as Swatch. Hmm. He was behind incorporating extreme sports into their marketing campaigns, kind of like Red Bull, what Red Bull did in the 2000s. Interesting. He kind of, yeah, he kind of pioneered that whole idea. He also worked, uh, he produced TV segments for action sports, uh, worked on Greg Stump's World of Extreme Sports for Fox TV. Mm-hmm. While he was working on these TV segments and everything like that, he also tried to come up with an idea of combining skiing with motocross. Um, so he spent days working on the a caterpillar, like a bulldozer, and um, created double jumps and things like that, which ideally was or originally was supposed to be for skiing, but he figured snowboarding would be a, a better sport to, mm-hmm. to fit that. So he kind of invented border cross, which eventually became an Olympic event. 
uh, and was later on transitioned into what we now know as SSX. Cool. Yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, so this man, uh, Stephen, uh, he started working on an engine that would sort of simulate a convincing snowboard experience. And uh, I love the quote that he had here. He said, I started working on building an engine that could create a convincing snowboard experience. My approach to the whole thing was trying to build it at an arcade or a Nintendo level quality and really making it about fun. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's a really cool quote. And he mentions Nintendo. So I thought it was a relevant quote. And it's funny uh, that he says that like early on there. And I love it when video game developers mention fun. I think that that should be the forefront <laughs> of all games. <laughs> you, we know fun. You know fun, Neil. I, I know fun. I know what fun games are. Like, you know, just about like Last of Us. Like, it's all about fun for sure. Well, and Universal Pictures uh, Theme Park Adventure. Oh, yeah. It's the most fun you could ever have with a video game. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, SSX, SSX actually launched on my birthday in the year 2000, October 30th, and was positively received commercially and critically, which means basically like mid-90s. It was fantastic. Um, later on, we got obviously ports onto the GameCube and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's when EA decided to open up this whole new umbrella under their sports uh, series called EA Sports Big. And um, that kind of dovetails into most of the games that we're going to be talking about today. If SSX didn't come out, we wouldn't be getting games like NFL Street or NBA NBA Street and any of those games. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, Rhett Schaffner, he left as an executive producer in 2003, which a lot of the theory is that, you know, the games kind of uh, declined in quality after that, or at least the mm-hmm. new games that were coming out. So EA Sports Big was later on rebranded as EA Sports Freestyle, but only oh. three only three titles ever came out. Uh, one of them was called Facebreaker on 360 and PS3, and then there was Three on Three NHL Arcade, which was only on Xbox games and PSN. So it was it was digital only, and I don't know what the third one was. I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess to go off of that now too, so EA Sports Big being created in the early 2000s there, another more established brand was actually already doing this, and that's Midway. Midway is very interesting because they obviously were big into the arcade, the actual arcade games in the 90s. They're famous for distributing uh, a lot of these games, such as Space Invaders in the U.S. That was kind of what got them their original, I guess, sales. Right. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, Spy Hunter, Mortal Kombat, and NBA Jam would be the ones that most people would affiliate Midway with. Right. But Midway, uh, they decided to go a little bit more into the console game in the early 2000s. You know, this this was obviously the time of like, uh, you know, the beginning of very violent video games, uh, especially for for kids uh, and GTA had just come out extreme sports uh, was a huge thing BMX triple X as we all love of course fan favorite of the show <laughs> and so you get lots of games hockey games football games uh, soccer games baseball games the whole lot of it Midway put their hands into everything they tried everything they could uh, a lot of these games ended up being actually very similar as you'll <laughs> see on the back of the cases <laughs> for some of these the, yep. the engines were obviously reused but hey they they were pretty big hits and most of them were well received and this uh, especially doing some things like NFL um, NFL Blitz as well as uh, the NHL hit series this really pushed EA Sports to to uh, you know, kind of think inwards more and realize that they were actually starting to lose sales to Midway. And they had obviously this new established brand, which was the EA Sports uh, big. And they started using that to make things like NFL Street in 04 and FIFA Street in 05. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for Midway when they had to compete directly with EA Sports again. And um, as we know, console wars or any kind of wars in business 
there's always one winner and it was ea at the end of the day yeah that was uh, it's uh really a defining genre of uh this generation like if you talk to anybody that owned even ps2 and xbox and of course gamecube if you talk to anybody from that generation you can name any one of these uh, we're going to be covering 20 games today i can almost guarantee that that person will have some memory of playing this at a friend's house or they're watching their older brother play it absolutely it's just a it's yeah it's just a, a genre that everybody had one copy of or something like that in their collection and i really love that about this uh this type of game i don't really think it exists all that much anymore unfortunately there are certain modes in some games that kind of work but they're not really there we do get the occasional big hit sports game like recent memory mentioning rocket league like that's Mm -hmm. kind of an arcade sports game it's like a take on soccer we occasionally get like nba playgrounds uh, which was a pretty decently big switch game i think it's on ps4 now um and i think there's they actually just announced a uh, wwe version of that game as well oh that's cool yeah so with that, I guess we can uh, transition out into the episode where uh, Marty is joining us. Just joining us to the show here is Marty Thompson, a friend of the show, actually. He's been on three episodes already now, and this will be his fourth. So Marty, how's it going? And I've been mentioned on, I think, more episodes than not. Like, I, I well, I, I guess I was on I was on last week when I was during my bubble bath and, mm. you know, I've been brought up before. So it's incredible. Great to be here again. Yeah. It's, uh, how was that bath? Was it good? Was it for you or was it for Magoo? Was it for the cat? Uh, it wasn't for my cat. It was just for me. Actually, Mike, after this, I got to send you a photo of Magoo. Uh, he was out. Uh, it's starting to rain here in Ontario, Canada for the first time in a long time. And he just was like completely soaked. I've never seen a cat like that. He just walked <laughs> in from outside, like completely soaked. And you're like, you good with that? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad. And yeah, so you had never played Virtuous Striker 02, I believe. Yeah. I just finished that episode today. It is interesting that it was a an arcade game, and that it, it the second version or whatever the like the final version came out in arcade in like two thousand six or seven, right? Yeah, isn't that kind of late for a new arcade game to come out? Very late, very weirdly late too. Like I'm not sure why they did that, but yeah. But we're not talking about Virtua Striker two thousand two here because no one cares about that game. Uh, but we're <laughs> we're talking about. Arcade games, obviously, as we as we mentioned before here. So we're going to start off with Red Card 03. You want to give us the details on that, Neil? Sure thing. So I already read the back of the cases for all these games, so we don't need to get into that. But uh, Red Card 03 was released on June 24th, 2002, also on Xbox and PS2. Uh, developer was Point of View, published by Midway Games, which we're going to hear about them a bit today, I think. Brian McCabe is depicted on the game's American cover. <laughs> McBride. Yeah, Brian McCabe is the the hockey player. Yeah, like I said, I just woke up. Brian McBride. Oh, yes. Is Brian McCabe going to show up later on today? We'll find out. We'll find out. And it looks like someone just got kicked in the nuts on the front of this. uh... I think we mentioned Brian McBride of all people, just like a random U.S. soccer player from like 2004 on the other episode, which I think is funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, not Brian McCabe, but he's definitely an NHL hits. We'll get <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why I got mixed up. That'd be awesome if Brian McCabe was on the front of Red Card. Just, <laughs> I wouldn't have known the difference. So th- this was a Midway title, correct? Yes, Midway published game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so this came out along with some of the other games we're going to talk about, such as NHL hits, NHL Bl- or uh, NFL Blitz, right. etc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, what are your memories, or do you have any memories of this game, Marty? Well, I mean, the the main memory is that 
uh, I think we're. I think I'm just going to go ahead and address it. I mm-hmm. bought this game for Mike for his birthday, I think, and we have not played it yet. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up. But I mean, we will play it one day. I'm not. I'm not a huge, and I and I'm not blaming you for not playing it either because it does look pretty rough. Uh, I haven't. I haven't played this one, but um, you know what? Like looking at it, I could see that this game really should have been, I think, a lot more popular than it was because this game definitely would have been third in this run of, like, weird midway games. Because yeah. if you watch a gameplay, it's so, it is very, like, fast-paced in a good way. There are very few stoppages. Like, you think about some of those early FIFA games, and even now, you know, the games can sort of, uh, you know, with the cutscenes and everything can still kind of drag on. But, yeah, the, the pacing seemed great, and honestly, the, the play seemed pretty nice as well. Um, I don't know. I, I think, and I think... This game could have really only come in like 2002 when they're like, hey, <laughs> yes. traumatic brain injury. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> By 2004, they're like, maybe don't do that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's got a, a quite a large following behind it. I often see videos or read things about how they uh, a lot of people like really love this game growing up. And it's definitely part of that nostalgia feel of just like, especially as a kid, just doing this crazy stuff on the field that you can never do in like a FIFA game, right? That was the point of these arcadey sports games was it it let you do things that you couldn't do in real life or in the games that were selling big, like FIFA and things like that. This sort of gave players that maybe aren't as big into the sport. They just want the action part of the sport to kind of shine and, and play this instead. Um, the game did review fairly well back in the day. It got sevens for the most part. So not bad, like high average, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And that's probably good for a game like this at that time. Because I'm, I'm assuming these games were probably critically panned. I think like uh, at the time they probably were. But obviously now with like uh, looking back, these games brought a lot of joy to kids' lives. And honestly, sometimes are more fun to play than just the you know, the very ultra-realistic games such as Pez or FIFA that uh, there's definitely a, a nostalgia market, I guess you can call it, for these games. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it a bit more, but the Midway games, like Red Card and uh, NHL Hits, th- those games, they, they did well, like 7s and 8s, critically, so um, mm-hmm. not bad. It was the EA Sports Bigs games that did really well. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, this game today, if you were looking to pick it up, it's really hard to find. I don't think I've ever seen Red Card. I've never seen Red Card. Uh, on GameCube, but yeah, it goes. It'll set you back about eighty bucks. So I don't know how well it's sold. I was trying to find that, but yeah, if that info isn't out there, it probably didn't sell very well. Yeah. I do. I remember seeing it in a store, like at a secondhand game store, and it was like I had never seen that before in my life, and I bought it immediately and gave it to Mike. So and I want, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd like it if if the two of you and the listeners at home could uh, look up Red Card two thousand three PAL version, the cover. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah it's a fun it's, one because the the oh, north yeah. american cover is just brian mcbride right. and it's it's the same it's the same template that all of the midway games had at the time the fire kind of the background his face kind of up close and then a shot of him actually playing but in the pal version it's two players one of them being brian mcbride and it's like it's a weird shot he's, he's like grabbing screaming his nuts. in agony yeah it's it's interesting i mean I, I mean perhaps just for legal reasons i don't think either one of them is brian mcbride just because I, I don't know, these must just be actors. Oh, maybe, but yeah. yeah, he is grabbing. Are they not soccer players? I'm trying to figure out if. Oh yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, it's not Brian McBride. I think these are just generic. <laughs> it looks like a. It looks like it looks like a scene from like either like an early 2000s like music video, or movie. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a blink like yeah, a blink 182 cutaway like of Tom DeLonge getting getting like 
grabbed by the nuts by another <laughs> soccer player or something like that. <laughs> so the, the big part of this game was obviously drop kicking players. Nice. So that's I think we should talk about a bit, small part of the gameplay here. So there was a button that you could actually drop kick the player in the face sometimes. Like uh, you would do a massive kick and uh, and that you would, they would just go flying and then you take the ball from them. Which was just hilarious. It was it was basically a fighting game at this point. Yeah, they kind of made it like rugby almost. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the mascots too. Uh, they had a lot of different weird mascots in this game. That's what I remember, mm. being very disgusting and just terrible textures on them. Uh, the dolphins, right? I've yeah, the, the dolphins. Dolphin. Yeah, they run with like the one fin. They're not even legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of the well, a lot of these midway games just had great senses of humor, right? Like they did. It really, it comes off in a really, in a really uh, flattering way, even looking back. Oh, for sure, like a hundred percent. It's it, it doesn't go too far. Like it doesn't go like crazy where you can't play it today. Uh, I mean, better than a BMX Triple X. Let's just let's just put that out yeah, there. Not that bad. Not <laughs> these games yeah. were not canceled. So that's yes, nice. there you go. That's what we're looking for. All right, let's uh, let's move on then to Freestyle Street Soccer. All right, so Freestyle Street Soccer Street Soccer was released on March twenty fifth, two thousand four. Uh, also on PS two and Xbox. This one was developed by Gusto Games and was published by Acclaim. I have very little to say for this game. I I don't know what you have here, Marty. It reviewed terribly. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing. It, like, it's it's almost too bad because these games, gameplay wise, are probably all very similar, but they just didn't have any sort of like, I don't know. Like, you're you're playing with the skater boys, the hardcore honeys, mm-hmm. shakedown or tagging crew. Yep. So I have same same thing we talked about in the FIFA episode, right? It's like that's that's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to sell a game when you're gonna play as the skater boys. Yeah, this whole see you later. This boys. whole like freestyle freak style, all these I don't know. Like it's very confusing <laughs> to me. Uh, I don't know what the uh, that was. That was a claims kind of thing at the yeah. time, right? They acclaim tried to really push in that market. On the uh, extreme sports episode, we had a, I'd say at least fifty to sixty percent of the games were acclaim titles. So clearly, yeah, it That's was weird, strange eh? for that like, that they really went hard. But I mean. Like, credit to them i guess they made these games i was trying to figure something out because on a lot of the cases it says blockbuster exclusive was that a thing <laughs> really um, at least the the xbox version it's, it says blockbuster exclusive and then the gamecube versions it doesn't so i don't know if there's any any if you guys have any insight on that i, I have nothing um, i have again i have nothing on this game this is this is a, this is all marty that is a strange way to market a game you're like oh uh, <laughs> uh oh your friend who has a playstation 2 bought this game at walmart well guess what if you have a gamecube you can't buy it there you have to go this place okay you have to rent it you can't own it you have to rent it <laughs> yeah. there there was a there was a time though when blockbuster had exclusive video games famously there's the n64 game clay fighter yep. uh sculptor's cut which is kind of like an expansion of clay fighter 63 and a third and and that game complete well is about four grand <laughs> i didn't know that i didn't know it was that much yeah like just the cartridge alone is like five or five hundred dollars something like that Crazy. uh but yeah if you want if you want the inbox version it means that blockbuster employees stole the case because they were told just to uh, unbox it, throw away the the box and the manuals and everything. So as a result, that game complete is insanely rare because it was a blockbuster exclusive that needed to basically be uh, stolen from a, an employee. And you, and it's crazy <laughs> to think that a lot of those a lot of those games were only stolen like ten years ago when Blockbuster finally shut down because they're all sitting in the back that whole time. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the N sixty four games up until twenty ten were in Blockbuster's uh, bins and in, in the back. Yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> well, I was just going to say Freestyle Street Sucker. At the time, critically, it received like fours. So it, this is not a must-play game by any stretch of the imagination. If you wanted to pick it up now, it's only like 10 bucks. <laughs> let's move on to, uh, let's, let's bang out both uh, FIFA Streets here. Sure thing. So FIFA Street was released on February 22nd, 2005. Uh, the second one was released on February 28th, 2006. So basically exactly a year later. Both games appeared also on PS2 and Xbox, with FIFA Street 2 also appearing on DS as well as Java. I don't know why. Uh, (laughs) Developer EA Canada, publisher EA Sports Big. Um, So let me uh, cover the cases here on FIFA Street. We had... I was going to say it. All right. Ronaldinho. (laughs) Yes. That's what we wanted. Yes. I I returned with Ronaldinho returns. (laughs) And then on FIFA Street 2 was uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's pretty early for him. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. very early. Yeah, these these games were massive, and yes. they're probably the biggest um, the biggest crossover at at any of these like NHL hits or blitz or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, EA big like we've already mentioned that they had a really great run, but you know even the the marketing around FIFA Street Two and even FIFA Street Three, which I think was for next gen, were like big big uh, marketing pushes, and I think. At that time, they probably thought they were going to make a new street every year or every other year, right? Like, I think so, yeah. It's, it's weird to see them, what you said, it was exactly a year apart. Like, it would have been interesting to see how long that could have gone if, you know, the, the cards would have felt differently. But Yeah, this is the uh, the, the EA Bigs uh, time to shine. This was their generation where, it, I mean, they would have done FIFA Street every year had they not pe- killed this entire sort of passion project that EA was doing. Uh, that They had an EA uh, sport or sorry, EA NBA street every year for several years. There was like seven SXX games consecutively every year. Mm -hmm. They were trying to annualize every single one of these franchises, NFL street as well being released. I believe it was NFL street. That one had two games in the same year. (laughs) It did. Uh, So yeah, they, they were kind of, yeah, they were kind of just oversaturating the market with these games for no reason. They could have easily spread them out more. And uh, these games could exist today still. And I think they would do well. Well, I mean, what what made FIFA Street great ultimately is the gimmicks. And yeah. as as much, Mike, I know we've talked about this game a lot. A lot. There was another sort of another uh, attempt at making a FIFA Street game that was for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in 2012 that like I personally loved and I thought the gameplay made a lot of sense and it was great, but nobody bought that game. No. And I think that was the last sort of stand for EA sports, especially for making a standalone game. But yeah, it, it needs it needs to be slightly different gameplay wise. And the like you said, Mike, like ultimately Volta for this next gen, which as much as I love FIFA Street, I never play that mode because it's just doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. You're trying to play a game, an engine built for 11 players with four or five. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. Basically what happened was like EA, this was kind of their transition going from a more experimental developer and publisher to just that strict conservative, go by the book, do what works uh, model, which is what we know them as now, where they kind of release the same game every year, uh, same day, basically. It's the same five games around Black Friday. Uh, and th- those just sell so that they stop being risk risk takers, um, making these arcade sports games, SSX. And, and actually the EA Sports Big like that, this whole model would not have existed had Sony not uh, really pushed for SSX to be a launch window game on the PS2. Yeah. EA, EA wanted to shut down SSX before it even came out. They didn't they didn't believe in the project. It's kind of a miracle that we got this many of them at all. Well, yeah. and it, it's funny and, and thinking back to the extreme sports episode that that you guys did and how many snowboarding games there were and right. like and, and to sort of like pass on that which would be yeah that would not look great retroactively 
Yeah, no, I, I don't know. FIFA, FIFA Street, like like you said, Mike, it 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 exploded. Even when you think about some of the branding attached to it, the way that they made players sort of cartoonish. Like I always see the um, there's a an England player named Peter Crouch who is like the only tall, skinny soccer player <laughs> to ever live, apparently. But they made him like stretch Armstrong in the game, right? Yeah. Stuff like that, and it was great for branding, right? You know, see like oh my god, like Peter Crouch looks hilarious. But yeah, I don't know. I, and I always found the games to be really balanced. Like, I know we're going to talk a lot about gameplay with these games, but I don't know. I, I really liked it. Like, it was never too over the top, like maybe NHL hits is where you score like 100 goals a game. But yeah, I know it was good. It made you earn it, which for these games is kind of hard, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I wish they would go back to this model, but we shall see. We shall see. Oh, I, I see that... Uh... Uh, a certain Harrison has just joined us on this episode. Harrison, how are you today? I'm well. I'm I'm actually surprised I was invited back. I guess I did a an okay job or a satisfactory uh, level uh, to to come back. Yeah, I mean, you had some good insight on uh, hit and run, you know, and, and road rage, and yeah, and, he, and it was okay. It was okay. What was that sound? Yeah. <laughs> and here you get to talk to your you know your good friend Marty Thompson. Oh. Marty Thompson. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you so much. I was going to say, how many times have you listened to the new uh, Chicks album? I only, I've listened, I listened to it twice yesterday and cried. There's, the songs are so good, eh? They're just so good. So, Mike, I, I'm guessing that Harrison was brought into this to talk about NHL hits, right? That's right. So okay. that's a perfect segue. Thank you. Right. Uh, cool. Keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. Yes! Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, NHL Hits 2002 was released on November 18th, 2001. Oh, oh, I keep it going. Also on the PS2, (laughs) Xbox, developed by Black Box Games, publisher Midway. On the case, we have Scott Stevens. Followed by Ooh. NHL Hits 2003, September 16, 2002, also on Xbox, PS2, and Game Boy Advance. Developer, Black Box Games. Publisher, Midway Games. On the case, Chris Progner. And I also said Anakin Skywalker because I think he looks like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> the way he's like. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Wow. Anyway, anyways, Roland was on the soundtrack. I think I think yeah. that was edited out of the other episode. But yeah, I, I I tell the story of like hearing that song for the first time in that game, like it being played at school and like losing my mind. Be like, this is the best game ever made and the best song. Yeah, that was the first time I heard Limp Bizkit was this song and this game. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's all of it for all oh, of us. So that's, uh, no, it was The Undertaker. Uh, one of his intro songs was, was Limp Bizkit. Oh yes, okay, that's true. That's true. Can't, Actually, can't what I think it, I think it was Roland. Come to think of it, <laughs> what yeah. else would it be? I guess break stuff probably. It could break stuff. Yeah. Or Nookie. Nookie is also sure. great. What's the one where they say? Actually, can we just kibosh this whole episode and just talk about Limp Bizkit? I'm down. That seems. That seems. I'm, right. I'm okay for a spinoff. <laughs> the video for Roland was filmed just one year before the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. The band received a letter from World Trade Center the day before the Twin Towers were destroyed, thanking him for their feature uh, in the Jeez. clip. That is incredible. I've been reading the uh, the song facts on Roland by Limp Bizkit all day. There's many, <laughs> many different, uh, many different entries there. Wow, thank you, uh, thank you for that uh, intro, Marty, to 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 this uh, to this section of the episode because that was. I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, it's not about Limp Bizkit. It's actually about the NHL Hits 2003 opening song, 
mm. which was which was uh, Power Man Five Thousand. Um, great band. Oh, yeah. Um, probably opened for Limp Bizkit at some point. Just <laughs> absolutely. I like it. Definitely was same same audience most likely. <laughs> it's a, the Venn diagram is a perfect circle. I think of of their fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like and then cut to uh, New Year's Eve. I I spent New Year's Eve this year with Mike and we were playing NHL hits 03 at like. 4 a.m. and we're playing like the dinosaur mini game and i'm just like listening to like incubus like a very like the incubus song they have in there a couple of them are just very slow and it's yeah. like what am i doing it's very with my weird life? i'm surprised that you didn't bring up yeah, the zambonis yet how did we get this far in without mentioning well that's on we my have, list that's, yeah. we haven't even started the game yet we just we just <laughs> yeah. the opening track so okay yeah let's talk about nhl hits 02 to start off so like that's that's like where you start. I mean, what a game! What like you know, starting with Limp Bizkit's "Rollin," has Scott Stevens on the cover. You know it's gonna be fun as a kid. You know you're gonna get like get lightning to bolts on the case too. In this game, and there's lightning bolts on the case exactly. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't played it, it's three on three hockey, and it's like like kind of like NFL blitz, like you mentioned. It's just like over the top. There's power ups all the time. Uh, you yeah you only play as three players on NHL teams so typically you'd play with like a lot of like good players right no scrubs just only Daniel Alfredson and, and, <laughs> and players like that I thought you like, said no scrubs um, <laughs> nice got him <laughs> thank you so much um, yeah no and like I don't know like it was in as much as that game seemed so uh, like fast and like off the rails there was like a technical element to it which I think is what made it ultimately a little bit more replayable than some of these other games, right? Yeah, for sure. That's Because it actually, like, for all its, like, faults of just being, like, a crazy game, it actually handles quite well when you're playing it. You know, there's obviously a lot of glitches. Uh, there's times where it's clearly just, like, setting someone up for a slap shot will always, like, go in the net. <laughs> and uh, And sometimes some goalies are completely overpowered. But it's a really fun game to just pick up and play because anyone can play it. It's very easy. You just have A to pass, B to shoot, you know, X uh, or Y to hit. You have your one deking move. Uh, and... You have two deking moves. Oh, sorry. Of... You're too... Yeah, you have the spinorama and then you have like the little like you, you put the, the puck to the side kind of thing. I like the Forsberg style deke. But it just it's such a fun game to pick up and play. And it's so fast compared to today's NHL games, like so fast. Yeah, and it's it's short too. Like you can pick up and play a game, and what is it? The time limit's like three minutes or something like that. It's really and you can change yeah. it. So there's cheats in the game. Uh, I have a friend who used to know them all, like from the controller. So you, you it's like A A X X Y Y before you start playing is like you limit the game to like five minutes or something like that. Love it. Now, Mike, was your first experience with the game when you bought it for me for my birthday recently, or did you play it also a long time ago as well? Like when you were a kid? I played it a long time ago. Yeah, as a kid, I played it a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, as a kid, you're just like, you just remember like the rolling and you remember, uh, some, like, you remember playing it with some friends. <laughs> it's so true, yeah. though. It's so yeah, no, true. it's exactly, Marty's, Marty's experience of it was very similar to mine. Uh, and I didn't really remember it other than rolling. Like, I remembered that it was ridiculous, but people kept talking to me, especially in like the beginning of university. Uh, when you like me, you meet all these new people and you're talking about video games and you, it's like, oh, I like sports too. It's like, oh, mate, like, do you remember NHL hits? It's like, oh, and you just say, like, yeah, of course I do. But <laughs> real, realistically, don't until you replay it again. And so I bought NHL hits 02 for Harrison's birthday quite a few years back. And then obviously we played it a lot. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this game is hilarious. 
especially as an adult. Like, I find it's even funnier as an adult. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious how many how many of these like sold. This this game to me seemed like everyone had it, but I don't know. Like it seemed like it did really well. Yeah, that it seemed like it, but I, I don't think we have real sales numbers for this generation. No, right? so. not really. Sales sales mm. from this generation were really hard to come by. It's mostly just from like first party games that you can really find easily. Um, mm. I can find just like review scores and things like that. Uh, all these NHL hits games all got eights and nines. This is actually one of the few games that I remember playing as a kid. Uh, I played it at Spencer Yo's house, which is where Mike and I ended up playing a lot of games for the first time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just remember Limp Biscuit and being able to, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that was the first memory. And then being able to fight, like, stop the game completely to, like, fights are included in the game. Um, like, one-on-one mm-hmm. boxing, basically, which was, I thought was the funniest thing on the planet at the time. Yeah, and it was just the it was the little things, right? Like where if you lost a fight, that player actually wasn't allowed to play yeah, he was for the rest yes. of the game. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's stuff like that where you're playing it and you would like clue into that and you're like, Oh, I don't know, that that kind of stuff was was certainly not lost on a kid who is very impressionable and trying to like learn the mechanics of a game, right? To see these sort of little mm-hmm. rules that you didn't know. And it's kinda of fun too to play, like obviously you would have your like complete stars on the teams, but I- all the teams would always have at least one or two aggressors uh, who were would probably never be picked in any other game other than NHL hits, like a Donald Brashear, you know, on on Washington. <laughs> what he's not part of your starting lineup, <laughs> and but like in NHL hits, he was right because he had like the highest aggression stats of anyone. So you know that you're gonna get the best hits from him, and that's what you're as a kid, you're especially you're really like wanting to do is like who has the best aggression stats here. I don't even care about scoring at this point. I just want to hit people. <laughs> That's why guys like Ty Domi got so much so much love in this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was kind of cool. Like it was a cool time to like give a lot of love to these these kind of guys. What was what I really liked about this game was, you know, a lot of my friends I grew up with, they weren't big sports fans at all. Uh, they wouldn't really watch they'd watch it on TV occasionally and like probably like the only like the closest sport game they would probably play would probably be like a like a WWF kind of game. Yeah. Um but they would, but they would play hits for sure. Like that was that was like our thing. We'd go to like our buddy's place, and we they always pick like the Devils or the Blues or the Avalanche. You know, one of those two thousands teams that were just stacked and full of great enforcers and scores. And it was just a human highlight reel. I remember my my one buddy and I, or actually it was my brother and I. We had to go to my other uh, my my buddy's place and play with his brother as well too. And I'd always get my brother to check the goalie. The whole time, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I just scored, right. scored open that because you know that's totally fair and legal. So, yeah, I forgot you could do that. Maybe we'll 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 get to the zambonis here soon, um, but I, I, yeah, that's what a teaser for people who don't know what the zambonis are. Uh, I I I was thinking about this game today. I just wrote this down. Like for me, all these games we're talking about, it's kind of easy to get the gameplay right. Like we talked about red card and how the game actually seemed pretty smooth and mm-hmm. even FIFA street, right? Like it's easy to get that right. Um, and like, you know, it, it's easy to get, um, a lot of the elements right with these games and, and to make it really playable and enjoyable. You think about the multiplayer aspect, like we said, we've all, all of us have said, Oh, we played it with so-and-so mm-hmm. yeah. because, and like, that was such a huge part of this, this, uh, year, this time of gaming. But I think really what sets hits apart is the, like, is the features and the content perspective, because you think about playing in like the shark tank, like you had all yeah. these rings you can unlock, right? The circus. And then you would have big heads. You would have like teams that would show up. Like I saw it for the first time playing with you, Mike, like last year, there was a team that had like, like 
wooden oh, heads, yeah, like that was wood weird. heads. Never saw that before. Like the game is just full of that kind of stuff. And the franchise mode is like super in depth, right? You make players that you can name them. You could, you can chop and change them and like fully customizable. And I think that's where Midway specifically got it right because it's so easy to yes. just say, oh yeah, everything's good in this game. That's fine. The like, gameplay is smooth. It's fantastic. But then that's the difference between a freestyle street soccer in this. Obviously the NHL licensing helps, but it's the content that makes that so special, right? Uh, so if you want to talk about the content right now, the Zambonis. So the Zambonis are one of the greatest bands of all time. Uh, they are they are the only band, in their words, in the world who is influenced uh, by the Beatles and Wayne Gretzky. So you know, yeah, they're they're the official band of Canada, I'd say. And oh, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna get a copyright strike. <laughs> I think I think you're gonna get it from Fred Durst before you get that's into the true. <laughs> they're probably just happy to hear someone's that's talking about them. I'm waiting for a Zambonis featuring Fred Durst song or collab. <laughs> Uh, can you put shot score on or breakaway? Oh yeah, breakaway. Because this is a ska podcast, so yeah, we do tag ska on every single thing we do. <laughs> Pick it up. I'm stinking so, in my again, kitchen. <laughs> I'm gonna slowly push. Again, the best part. Oh, we'll get this. Bit, hold on. So the best part about this was, as we mentioned with the content, Mike, like you had to go and unlock this in the soundtrack. This yes. wouldn't, when you booted up the game, this wouldn't just start playing. You had to like sift through the settings and find it and like check it off. Just great. It's, it's, it is pretty great in that sense. So for the listeners out there that don't know, the Zambonis are a real band. Uh, they, they, they released their first album in 1996. Their last album is in 2012. Uh, how many albums is that? Seven? Uh, yeah, about seven albums in that time. You can check them out on Spotify and everything. I'm sure that they would love to get a few listens uh, again. <laughs> Fantastic band. Also, they are a licensee of the Zamboni company, funny enough. That's why they're allowed to use the Zamboni name. That's cool. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Just a little fun fact there. Ha- Harrison, Harrison, I didn't know if you if you knew this or not, but they would do concerts only wearing Hartford Whalers jerseys. Yeah. Ooh. Because, <laughs> yeah, they're from Connecticut. Okay, yeah. Hartford Whalers probably some of the nicest jerseys in NHL history. Yeah. Easily. I'm reading here that they opened uh, at the NHL All-Star Game in 02 with uh, Jewel and Five for Fighting. Yeah. What a great what lineup. A lineup. <laughs> what a great lineup. <laughs> that is unbelievable. If you could go back to 2002, I mean, what's the second thing you would do? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious why they didn't put like Jewel in, in NHL Hits 02. Like, imagine, like, turning on the game and all you hear is, like, stronger woman or <laughs> till it feels like cheating. I mean, is it because she's from Alaska, maybe? Mm, probably, Possibly. to be honest. That would just be a weird thing they would do at that time. Yeah, you know what? It would, you know what? It would be nice to see Jewel open up for the Zambonis. I would love that, to be, be honest. Great. And I hope... Imagine watching the Zambonis at, like, an arena. Oh, my God. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know, like that that kind of stuff again, just finding some random band clearly that someone in their development team clearly like liked or whatever. It's like, hey, we should just like get this on. This would be hilarious. Yeah, that's like that kind of that kind of like creative touch is 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 definitely not missed. And in my in my mind, like the people that work at like Midway Games are like the same people who work at the Chive. Like it's the exact same exact same people. Like, oh, let's throw that in, that'll be hilarious. And like 
<laughs> yeah, like if if I guess if the Zambonis are to NHL hits, it's like Goldfinger is to Tony Hawk. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, I guess uh, the Zambonis so. did not have nearly the same career trajectory as <laughs> uh, Goldfinger, but it's still kind of closely related. You kind of associate the two together, other than Limp Bizkit and NHL 2002, of course. Of course. Did you see that the the Goldfinger like I think I want to be a Superman or whatever the lyric is like that was that's the name of that new Tony Hawk documentary. Oh. Oh, interesting. No, no, I didn't see that. So let's let's finish off the hockey segment here to talk about NHL Hits Pro. So you're right, Neil. It, for some reason, has good reviews from a lot of people. This game is terrible. I don't care what people say. This game is not good. I don't know if you guys have ever played this game, but it's it's like NHL Hits if like they sold out. Yeah, I didn't get a chance oh. to uh, introduce this one in the intro because uh, this one doesn't include Limp Bizkit, I don't believe. But this, this NHL Hits Pro was released <laughs> September 25th, 2003. So this was definitely an annualized franchise at this point. Uh, platforms, PS2 and Xbox, as well as GameCube, of course. Developer was Next Level Games, so it wasn't a black box game. And published by Midway, on the front of the case was Nicholas Lidstrom. Lidstrom? Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, This game's really hard to find now. Again, this is like one of those games that I don't see anywhere. That's what I love about this is that NHL hits 2002, which is probably... My, in my opinion, the one that I would recommend, it's the easiest one to find and also the cheapest. That, that one's only yeah. like 20 bucks, whereas NHL Hits Pro is more like 60 And my Mike, like you mm-hmm. said, it's not even really that great. No, like for, I mean, maybe I'm the only one with this opinion uh, in the world, but uh, I, I can't be the only one because it, it basically took – so it was uh, – you know, NHL Hits normally was three on three, and midway, for whatever reason, they wanted to compete even more directly with EA. They wanted to kind of do – make it more realistic, uh, have shots more realistic, hits more realistic, and make it five on five. You know, the game might have actually played well in terms of, like, the, the graphics, in terms of the engine – but making a, a hits game five on five, that just kind of that that ruins it uh, personally for me. Did it still have like all the other kind of stuff to it, like the you know, the the boot like you get like the Super Saiyan uh, mode when you're all on fire. I know it's not called that, but that's what I <laughs> like to call with my friends and like all like the still has like all the hard hitting and everything, right? Like it's still arcadey in that type. You know what? It's as much arcadey as an NHL four game would be. That's that. And that's mm. that's the issue here is that why would I pick up an NHL Hits Pro when I can just get the the best game possible at that time, which was NHL Hits or NHL 04 or 05? I don't get why Midway went in this direction because it alienates the fans of Hits and also the fans of uh, a normal EA game. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the game isn't around anymore. So that kind of goes to show you mm-hmm. how that pivot worked. Yeah. Right. Like that was it. I was just looking at this. I, I I like to just look at the cases of games. Obviously, that's my thing. I the the box art for this game is so bad. Like, I don't know what it looks like an yep. animorphs book. <laughs> oh my god, it does. <laughs> it's a hockey player transforming into a closer up hockey player. Yeah, it, yeah. like that's the thing, right? Even like this this cover kind of tells you all you need. It, it feels it feels like it's unfinished. Feels like it's it's. And I mean the the text behind that says like all of the yeah. five yeah. on five two thousand and four franchise yeah, exactly. mode like. Uh, yeah. And the titles uh, all tough. tilted and everything. I don't know. It just doesn't look. It looks cheap. Uh, yeah. It doesn't sell it for mm. me either. So I'm like compared to the first two. Uh, this yeah kind of looks like a decline in quality for selling the game. But anyway. Wait, Nintendo Power gave it a three out of five. They usually give everything like five out of five or like six out of five. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, the fact that Nintendo Power gave it a low score, at least I'm like, okay, well, maybe someone thought it was bad because a three out of five for Nintendo Power, as we've talked about before, is basically a death. Yeah, sentence. that's basically as low as it goes. 
yeah, kind of sad, obviously, that uh, that the franchise really hasn't been revived in any way, really. I mean, EA, like the NHL EA games, they kind of do the three-on-three pawn matchups and stuff now in the, the, the newer games, but it's it's the same as Volta. Mm-hmm. Uh, with NHL hits, the craziness of it and and the fact that it's such a departure from any sports game previously is what makes it appealing and fun. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder if the reason why we think that about these new games, uh, like like you said, with the Volta and with the adaptation in EA, EA Sports, is that we're like maybe cynical to the fact that it's just kind of the same company doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely or, part of it. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe we can't really see it with like a, a in a like with a sober viewpoint. But yeah, no, I I mean, does Midway even have like is Midway even around now? That's a good question. <laughs> no, they're not. They went bankrupt in two thousand nine. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep rolling. Oh, as they say. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right, partner. Chocolate stop <laughs> it. And hot dog chocolate water. It. Uh. Okay. Are we are we going to NBA next? Is that the next one? Oh yeah, we are going to NBA next. But uh, that that means that Marty is is leaving us, and he's going to keep on rolling right out out of here. So thank you very much for your insight on the soccer and hockey games. Sorry, Marty. no Disney Sports Clubs games today, Marty. I know you really wanted that. Yeah, that's okay. It's fine. Chocolate stop here. Oh, and we just uh, see Brian Tong here, who has joined us to talk about some great sports games arcade sports games uh brian how are you today uh good uh, how are you guys thanks for having me yeah no problem we got uh on the line we have neil harrison and myself Ladies and gentlemen. hi brian <laughs> hey harrison hey yeah we just we just, we just we just finished up talking about nhl hits uh so there was a lot of rolling a lot of limp biscuit talk so if you want to uh, contribute to Limp Bizkit Talk, please feel free to give us some Limp Bizkit facts. Of course. I, the Honestly, the only one that comes to mind right now is the fact that he made a movie with uh, um, that had like a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I forgot what it's called right now. Let me look this up. Yeah, John Travolta, right? Yeah, with John Travolta, yeah. And John Travolta yeah. has like back-to-back-to-back like 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> What I, I think my favorite fact about that movie is it made like $10,000 in its first weekend. It didn't make anything. Because yeah, nobody cared. It was like a news article was like, okay, that's cool. And then when the movie came out, like, yeah, we don't really care. Uh, it's called The Fanatic. Yeah. The Fanatic. Nice. Um, anyway, so uh, let me just introduce NBA Street. Do you want me to just introduce all three games? Yes, please. And then we can get into yep. it? All right. Sounds good. So NBA Street graced us with its presence on February 17th, 2002, also on PS2. This one was developed. They were all developed. I'll just get that out of the way. By EA Canada, published by EA Sports Big. Uh, they all received nines, a very quality franchise. And in terms of the front of the case, I'm not really 100% sure who the players are supposed to be. I know that NBA Street 2, Michael Jordan is on the front. Uh, one of the characters looks a lot like me because it's a white guy, skinny with black hair. Uh, on the case of NBA Street 3, it's Baron Davis. Uh, NBA Street, if you wanted to check it out, it's about 20 bucks on eBay, so not super hard to find or acquire. NBA Street 2, 30 bucks, and NBA Street 3, about 40. So they get progressively more expensive, probably because I believe that the quality in the games might have gone down as they came out, but I'm not sure. Maybe they sold less. It's kind of how the pricing of these games works these days. But yeah, overall, this is uh, the first of the EA Sports big game other than SSX. Uh, and 
uh, the quality of these games is fantastic. They, they were very popular at the time. So um, that's why Brian and Harrison are here to talk to us a little bit about it and uh, share their memories of the game from back in 2002 to 2005. Uh, well, this is like actually a game that I personally enjoyed actually going over my friend's house and like, I remember like one of my friends owned this on GameCube and I was like, what the heck is this? They can do like crazy, like weird things. Like, and I wasn't like, as a kid, I wasn't really in tune with like street ball at the time. I didn't really know what it was, but you can like throw like behind the back passes, like throw the ball at people. And like, you know, you get the ball back and do some crazy ar- like arcade esque like, dunks where you would jump like well above the rim and do some crazy stuff. But the entirety of the game is like, is, is that you're supposed to do all these crazy combos. So you build up a meter uh, and it's the first to 21, but basically you score points with doing really crazy combos. And by then you have like, something called a game breaker. Yeah. Yeah. And the game, game breaker. breaker. And with the game breaker, it's basically a 99% chance that you'd actually get a bucket. <laughs> uh, but it had a huge swing. You would actually like get like score two points instead of one. And then your opponent would actually lose points. And I saw someone lose minus four points, which is actually insane. <laughs> so six point swing. Uh, so that was possible in this game. So that's cool. It was, it was kind of like the the strikers, uh, Neil. You know how uh, like you could do like the double the double goal if you got like the the, the, the meter right. Got it. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, the meter that I can never get. <laughs> yeah, this was much easier. <laughs> ah, and then different about the series two on NBA Street Volume Three on the GameCube. That's the one that has Mario. Mm-hmm. Right? You can play as the Mushroom Kingdom characters. Yep. we're gonna so that's, that's we're gonna get to that. Yeah, yeah that's what, which is what what makes that game very. Uh, uh, very interesting to play. Yes, <laughs> uh, sure. Harrison, what are your, uh, what are your first memories of just the NBA Street franchise? That was. Do you remember which one you played of the three of these? Yeah, so I got NBA Street, like the very first one, and it was funny because I actually went to to EB Games to purchase uh, to purchase it, like used. And when I went home, I didn't I didn't check like like everything inside when I left because you know you're a kid you don't think of that stuff when when you're a kid so I went to actually go by NFL Street and when I came home <laughs> NBA Street was in there instead so I was like I'll play it I'll, I'll play it like let's see how this is because I played NFL Street before but mm-hmm. NBA Street was in there and it was a great game I think like the best part was kind of like the like the challenge mode or like the tournament mode where yeah. you you know you pick like an NBA team or whatever and then as you like play these teams and like the other teams, sorry, you get to like take one of their players. They get to join your your crew or your your squad. And you also get to like take on the street legends as well, too, if you beat them. And like all these players, too, are like totally like ripoffs of like other NBA players. Like Stretch is clearly like a, like a Dr. J kind of guy. Like I remember there was like Bonafide as well, too, and, and Biggs and like they're all like hilarious characters who are somehow way better than any other nba character or nba <laughs> player sorry but oh no they do have like real like real people on the on the roster yeah they have real people uh, daniel marshall is actually a playable character in volume two i knew you would bring up daniel marshall i knew you would bring up yeah like daniel so and um in volume two they actually have scotty pippen on on portland as well as michael jordan in washington okay yeah let's just talk for a second about nba street volume three so this is very strange and i'd say this is one of the only times i've ever seen that nintendo puts their characters into a uh into like a completely like a third party system uh especially ea like there's there's maybe a couple of examples but they're more partnerships rather than just like plopping a character into the game like you can think of like starlink neil you know something like that 
I was going to say they're also in uh, SSX on tour. So another EA Sports Bigs uh, game. So that's two. Uh, I only know of two that they're in. Yeah. But yeah. It's pretty rare. And also just very not Nintendo to do that. You know, Nintendo's very protective of their IP. So to have mm-hmm. the Nintendo All-Stars on the NBA Street Volume 3 is uh, it's pretty pretty rare. Pretty strange to say. But I loved it. That was one of the reasons I played that game. <laughs> I got I got, a, I got a question. Are, are we saying EA Sports Big correctly? I thought we were supposed to say like EA Sports Big. Like... <laughs> All, all distorted. I don't think we're saying it correct. Big. You have to go back and edit all of the times we said big in this episode. Um, you can also play as the Beastie Boys on Volume Three as well. That's right. I was oh I was God. going to ask about the soundtrack of these games. How does this one hold up compared to so far? I think we're all unanimous, unanimously agreeing that the NHL hits games have the best soundtracks. What about NBA uh, Street? How, what is the soundtrack like on these games? I'm, I'm guessing it's mostly like hip hop and things like that. I'm just guessing. Yes. What are the standouts? So they actually spent like a million dollars on this on the uh, on music just in volume okay. two. Wow. Uh, they whoa. Yeah, they got producer Just Blaze just to oh. do it, um, and he just hit like just tried to do it hit after hit, and they actually tried to get Fifty Cent on this game, <laughs> um, to consult with the music, or maybe consult with the game in general. But he actually couldn't get over the Canadian border, oh. um, you know, because of his past criminal history. That actually was a thing. That's super uh, so, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, but like they have they have Nelly on uh, in yeah. Volume Two, they have Redman and yeah. stuff like that. But they try to make an all uh, hip hop uh, soundtrack with it. I think the first game they didn't have they actually ran out of budget, so they couldn't do what they wanted in Volume Two. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, they did a they managed because of the success of the first one, they actually like exceeded EA's expectations because they didn't really care at all. That's why they made EA big was to do all these extreme things. And so they're like, oh well, this one actually like, made money, so here you go, you can get a bigger budget, I guess. Mike, uh, Mike Black Sheep's on uh, Volume Two. Oh, really? Uh, the choice is yours. You got it. Nice, great song, great track. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Just going back to having Mario in these games, like Mike, like you said, Nintendo's very protective of their uh, characters. It's it would be strange to see like Mario and Luigi playing basketball to like rap lyrics, just because they don't usually associate those two <laughs> things together. And I don't know, like they don't want to mix, have mixed messaging about these characters, about what they're doing on their free time. But yeah, it's, it's weird that they didn't, maybe there are limitations on what yeah. songs play while those characters are in the game. But when you play Mario and Luigi and Peach, you actually play like in this like Nintendo kind of street court, like That's a right. Mushroom Kingdom street court. And there's like this underground remix and it's just so, it's so nasty. It's so good. <laughs> Go Honestly, yes. when you want, when you need a good laugh or just like, you need like a little chuckle, just look up Mario uh, NBA Street Volume 3 on, on YouTube. You'll see like Mario and Luigi and Peach doing like these triple alley-oops. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I know. And like literally making Le- LeBron James look like a fool. It's great. <laughs> I was also just reading, too, that uh, having Mario, Luigi, and Peach as playable characters was part of a deal that uh, Nintendo had with uh, EA Sports so that uh, they would have their IPs in uh, in a couple of EA Sport games, such as, I guess, uh, uh, it was SX Tricky? Did you know? Uh, on Tour. On tours, yeah. yeah, and it's weird because after these, after this like generation, like around the 2005, like right around when the Wii came out, that's kind of when EA and Nintendo sort of disconnected and their relationship was severed. There, there was almost the EA support on uh, Wii was almost non-existent. Wii U, there's like two EA games on there, I think, and they're they're all just ports. So this was kind of like a weird agreement between the two companies that I guess didn't go well working together. I think also just like uh, Nintendo's 
how they, they thought about things at this time too was a bit different. Uh, like the GameCube itself, you know, as we talked about many times before, it's all about appealing to their gamers, right? It, it was trying to broaden Nintendo's horizons and trying to get a lot more third-party support for the console. And uh, and like a great example of this would be Soul Calibur 2, right? Yeah. The fact that Link is in that game. And so that's kind of almost a predecessor, I guess, to the fact that, oh, well, this worked really well. This like sold amazingly well for the GameCube. You know, maybe we can do this again with uh, EA. And so that, that might have sparked the, the agreement, right? Uh, I mean, they'll never make the series again, uh, sadly. Yeah. Uh, mostly because EA owns the rights to this game, I guess. Mm-hmm. And EA has shifted a lot of the, like, I guess, like, their philosophies on how to make video games. And they don't really want to take risks anymore. That's why EA Big doesn't really exist. Or, like, things that EA Big's done, they don't really exist in uh, when it comes to EA games anymore. Because they, they just want surefire things to make money. And yeah. things that are as radical as, like, NBA Street, like NFL Street, like FIFA Street, like those things don't uh, really align with their core beliefs anymore, sadly. Yeah. Uh, but they are they were fun games at, at the time. Um, so, but that's uh, that's just not going to happen anymore. Funny enough, too, EA actually owns NBA Jam as well because they bought the rights to NBA Jam when Midway went bankrupt. Oh, so. I thought Warner Brothers <laughs> owned the rights to uh, Midway. No, did they buy just NBA Jam? They just bought NBA Jam, oh, okay. yeah, which was almost like a little like kick them while when they're down, right? You know, just uh, they knew that they were going under, so they're like, "We'll just pick that from you." Uh, EA's barely done anything with it, which well, is that's EA. you know sucks, that's what right? EA does. That's, yeah, I think. Like, they, I mean, like, didn't they come out with a game for the Wii like in 2010? Yeah, they did. That like was that? that was the last time there was an NBA Jam. But yeah, that is kind of the uh, under the underlying theme of this episode. It's kind of like these games were great, and they'll probably never come back. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll transition on now to, uh, we're going baseball. Mm-hmm, we're going baseball. So starting with MLB Slugfest 03. That's uh, September 3rd, 2002. Also released on PS2 and Xbox. Uh, both these games were developed by Midway Games as well as published. MLB Slugfest 03. On the cover, we have A-Rod. And then on MLB Slugfest 2004, which was released six and a half months later on March 16th, 2003. <laughs> Also on classic move. Yeah, really. Uh, exact same thing. PS2 on Xbox, Midway Games. Uh, Jim Edmonds is on the cover. Uh, Slugfest 2003 is around $25 trending now, whereas 2004 is around $45. There was a pro version uh, as well that didn't come to GameCube that was called MLB Loaded, a Slugfest Loaded. Uh, and that uh, I, I think that was the last game for the franchise, just like how. NHL Hits Pro was the last game for that franchise. But yeah, MLB Slugfest. What a what a game. This game is hilariously funny. Uh, I can just let's just start it off with this. The fact that the reviewers here, Maxim, the the, the men's magazine Maxim <laughs> gave a review uh, for this game. Five out of five. Right on. They loved it. Perfect. That's where I go for my video game reviews, is Maxim. That's why that's why I kept bugging my mom to buy the magazines. <laughs> Mom, buy me a Maxim. I need to read the latest uh, review on this on this GameCube game. What did what did they give Kirby's Air Ride? <laughs> MLB Slugfest Loaded, which I know is not on the GameCube, but I just want to bring this up because I know Brian will get a kick out of this. Uh, MLB Slugfest Loaded is the only baseball game in history to get a teen rating. Oh, why? What what was that for? Oh, you know why it's rated teen? I I just did some some research myself over here. Oh. Good. Well, I don't. It doesn't actually say this. It's just based off of images that I found. There's a lot of okay. uh, promiscuous-looking uh, cheerleaders uh, on the loading screens. Love it. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, maybe that's why it was in Maxim. <laughs> it says rated T for uh, mild violence and comedy. Yeah, I just found that too. 
I think back in the day too, there was a, cause since this is on Xbox, it would be online. And I think that there was a thing back in the day where most uh, online games were automatic teen just because of who you'd be talking to. Mm, true. Yeah. True. I think they had, I, I could be wrong about that. I'll have to fact check myself, but I think that there was a thing where once the game was online, it couldn't be E. But uh, yeah. So uh, do you, does, does anyone have anything to say about MLB Slugfest? I have no memory of playing this game back in the day. Baseball <laughs> games for me are, I played, I believe, MLB 07 on the PSP, which I absolutely loved. But in terms of arcade baseball games, no. So what, what makes this game different, Mike, than, than playing just an average MLB game? It's exactly what you think in terms of just like everything. There's more home runs. Uh, things are like more hilarious in terms of like uh, of the modes and things like that. There, it's just simplistic, and you can catch on fire, just like uh, the NHL hits games, and you can do like fire mode or whatever it's called, and you just destroy the ball. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Is it like in NHL hits where you can play as, um, you know, like cows and aliens and other <sighs> random That's things? That's a good question. I don't think so. Um, but it's funny because it like. It even it even looks like NHL hits when you actually watch gameplay. Like probably the same engine. Yeah, it definitely is. It's got like the trail behind, like on the on the ball and everything, yeah. uh, and it's just the graphics are very similar and like it's that that uh, very early two thousands edgy kind of graphics. Uh, you could hit the ball out of out of people's hands. What? <laughs> Explain that to me, please. So, so you you would you would like get a hit and you would go on first base. As soon as you got on there, you could like hit the, like the person's hand, oh. and the ball would go flying. Got it. You could also punch the person and also kick them too, which was uh, my favorite thing to do. I, I would constantly kick people in this game. Well, it wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be a, a midway game without some unnecessary violence. Also, watching it like watching it back again. The pitching it is hilarious. It's so much fun because uh, the the pitches are just ridiculous. You have no idea where they're going, so you just have to swing and hope for the best. Well, you could play in Atlantis. That's how crazy the game was. Yes, that's right. You could play in Atlantis. Not as not as good as Polo Grounds, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> not as crazy, unfortunately. I yeah. What's what's the center field depth for Atlantis? That's my question. Yeah, but it had, it had a cool Kraken in the back too. Like they made it. Uh, someone must have made it in a meeting. Was like, how can we make this game even even zanier? And it's like, why don't we put it in a in a place that doesn't even exist? <laughs> I, I, I guess now would be a good time to just give a shout out to. I I, I can't believe we made it this far without uh, giving recognition to the uh, sports announcer in this game in these games. Uh, I'm just researching now that the announcer in at least MLB Slugfest 04 was Tim Kitzrow who also did NHL mm. Hits, NBA Jam, and the NFL Blitz series. Um, and then it just says Jim slash Jimmy Shorts, who voiced voice was voiced by Kevin Matthews. The announcers in the, these games are so much fun to listen to. Yes, they yeah. are. Because it's, bar- it's barely, like, it's barely commentary, right. right? It's just like, oh, that was amazing. Like, it's, it's supposed to be, like, arcade, right? Yeah, and sometimes they have funny things to say. Like, in NHL Hits, they did. And to me, like, in especially, like, comedy sports movies, just like comedy sports video games, the announcers are just, they just make it. You have to have a good sporting announcer in these, in these things oh, yeah. to make it complete. And it's just, like, the cherry on top. So just to give a shout-out to anybody who did voice acting, announcing these games were did a fantastic job for the most part for 100 percent. all right so moving on to the second half of the baseball portion we got uh backyard the backyard baseball games i love the backyard franchise so backyard baseball was released on march 31st 2003 developer humongous entertainment published by infogrames on the cover of this one was a rod 
And then we also had Backyard Sports Baseball 2007, which was a, it's a very hard to find game, very late GameCube game, March 30th, 2007. Also on Game Boy Advance, PS2, and Windows. Again, humongous games. Published by Atari. That game goes for 170 bucks, though. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that might be the most expensive game we've seen on this uh, show so far. Might be. Yeah. Because we, so a little background, me and Neil didn't even know this game existed. We're, we're part of a GameCube enthusiast group on Facebook, and someone had picked it up, and they were like, wow, look what I found. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is an honor in our database like of games. So we had to actually put it in and then put it in especially for this episode, obviously. So, yeah, I don't know what the difference is between, like, the 07 one and the original one. I don't know either. I have no I have no uh, history with the Backyard Sports Baseball game. Mike, you and I were huge fans of the Backyard Hockey game back in the day. I don't mm-hmm. know, Harrison and Brian, did you guys ever play any of these games? They're really fun. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Again, I didn't even know it was available on console. I thought they were Windows games. But sadly, I didn't uh, buy one of these games for myself. But it turns out you actually can get them on a, from Wheaties boxes, so you can actually get Fantastic. them. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that. I never actually owned the game myself. I I think I either borrowed it from a friend or, or like rented it. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it was just like the equivalent to, to the movie The Sandlot, but in a video game. I've also, the, in 2003, the big thing was there was like 30 MLB players that you could also yeah. pick on your team. So you would have like... You'd have like Billy, Sally, Al, and then Frank Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it, it just reminds me of like a Saturday morning cartoon thing where like a bunch of kids are playing baseball. And then, yeah, like A-Rod shows up with his like his, his team and friends and they're like, hey, guys, can I play? Like it just it just reminds <laughs> me of that. Uh, yeah, it does. It's a cool. This is a really cool franchise. They existed from 1997 to 2015. So we haven't seen a game in this in this series for about five years now. This is probably of the games that we're talking about. I'd love to see Backyard Sports come back in some way. Like, even if it's just a collection, like I'm just looking at their history right now from Backyard Baseball in 97 up until last one was Backyard Sports Basketball 2015. There's like 40 to 50 games here. Like there's. Oh, they, they, they put the ones out constantly. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember, I think I actually did get some in the cereal box, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember uh, playing them i i played backyard baseball but on the pc so uh, i did not have the gamecube version of this uh but my favorite player that i always played as was pablo sanchez who is uh by far the the best player on the teams uh the only things i remember about this game are like everyone just had like two phrases to say over and over yep. again uh there's also these weird shaped diamonds like john boy would have a field day brian on the <laughs> on going through backyard baseball diamonds because some of them like there's one that has a farm in the middle of the diamond and it's playable so you would hit the farmhouse <laughs> and then the ball and then uh, sometimes the game would glitch out and the ball would get stuck there but that's what it was like playing sports as a kid right that's what these games are actually simulating was <laughs> it was like it's like playing sport like a sport on on your court or in your backyard no pun intended or like on your school field you know the ball gets lost the ball gets stuck the ball gets kicked by some random squirrel <laughs> like it's, it's just it's funny how it simulates just playing a game as a kid also the backyard baseball uh just the backyard franchise uh, was uh, all, from what I like the my first memory of it. It was very inclusive. You oh, know, yeah. it had lots of different kids of different races. It had a uh, a kid in the wheelchair. Yes. That's what I was about to argue with you that that 
Paulo Sanchez is the second worst is or sorry the second best character. Kenny Kawaguchi is the best character. <laughs> yeah. He's in a wheelchair, man. Yeah, I know. he is. I, I gotta I gotta say, Kenny is pretty good. These games are way better to play on computer too. I don't know how they translate to playing on a console. I'm sure it's fine, but I played these games on PC as well. For backyard baseball, I know you could play as like Barry Bonds and Rafael Palmero. Is this like before they got busted for, for drugs? <laughs> like, like, do you think they were doing drugs as as kids playing backyard baseball? <laughs> yeah, they're they're juicing as kids. Absolutely. Juice mode. Well, uh, that's funny because that'll that'll lead juice mode will definitely lead into our next our next game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's let's yeah let's let's kick off the football uh, games here with NFL Blitz 0203 and NFL Blitz Pro. Sweet. So NFL Blitz 2002 was released on March 18th, 2002, also on Game Boy Advance, PS2, and Xbox. This was another midway game published and developed. NFL Blitz 2003 was August 12th, 2002, as well. Is that correct? Huh, okay. And also another Midway game. Uh, let's see. Case. Here we go. Michael Strawn. Straight hand. Straight hand. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Sorry. NFL Blitz Pro was released on December 2nd, 2003. So a full year and change later. Also on PS2 and Xbox. And on the case of this one was Terrell Owens. Love to you. These games were all received fairly well at I think these games got like eights for the most part, and they're fairly accessible today, all ranging between $15 to $25 each. So you can pick them all up on the cheap. And by the way, when we're saying football, we mean American football. UK, we're not talking about soccer. Good point. Yes, thank you for uh, clarifying that. So that's the NFL Blitz series. Uh, what do you guys have to say about these games? NFL Blitz is not NFL Blitz the league. Or sorry, just yeah, Blitz a, the league. Because that's a yeah. different game that we can talk a whole lot about that did not come <laughs> did not come to the GameCube. Yeah, because I I didn't I never played like NFL video games probably till like 05, 06 maybe. But I remember, I remember Blitz the League and Blitz the League Two. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, they're uh, those. Are, those are something, all right. <laughs> so I was telling Brian the other day, actually. So NFL Blitz the League, which was the successor to NFL Blitz, uh, and that's because NFL uh, Midway lost the rights for uh, Madden and for or, or to Madden uh, for any kind of NFL uh, franchise. So they uh, created their own league, uh, and it was basically you came out of jail to play in the league. It was basically like, like the longest yard as a video game, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the only sports games to ever be rated M. Hmm. Interesting, because of the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders also just like like literally killing people on the field. Nice. <laughs> no, this this was the best part. I thought was whenever there is like an injury. Um, you're able to choose to treat the injury normally, like, and let it heal, or you can juice the injury. So essentially just inject the athlete with steroids. <laughs> that's how steroids work, as far as I know. I think that should be in every game. It's in sports today. Why not? <laughs> what I love is that the uh, we're talking about Blitz the League now was originally intended to be a Wii launch title, but the version was eventually delayed and canceled. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, back to NFL Blitz, something that was actually on... Uh, GameCube. So yeah, I I played NFL Blitz. I think at a friend's brother's house, if I remember correctly. I don't think I had played Madden at this point. I remember it being ridiculous and fun. And Madden feels like you're more just calling plays than playing right. the game, where Blitz is like, 
you're in the action. You know, that, that was Midway's thing. Like, you know, you're trying to make arcade games in a sense you, that kids will want to enjoy. Yeah, you're not calling, like, uh, routines or formations. You're actually passing the ball. You're running around, tackling, mm-hmm. more like the soccer the soccer games that we know. Um, mm-hmm. Again, comparing it to Mario Strikers, it's more like that. And, I mean, NFL Blitz, this is a franchise that I would love to jump into. I've Of the Midway sports games, I've only played the NHL Hits game, which which I really love. So I'd love to try the NFL Blitz, especially if it's of that same caliber. It, it sounds like something that'd be a lot of fun to jump into. Uh, since, yeah, I have no, I definitely have not played a Madden game that does not appeal to me in the least. So mm-hmm. this would definitely be something I would jump into. And it's a super accessible franchise. I see these games all the time in used stores, so I can't imagine it'll be hard to find once... Once they all open up again, of course. So just to talk about some some fun uh, plays that you can do in this uh, in, in, a, in NFL Blitz, uh, pass interference is allowed. Uh, you know, oh, you know what we completely forgot to talk about is an NBA Street uh, goaltending. Uh, oh is, yeah, is yeah. is uh, not only allowed but like you should do it basically all the time. Like you get points for it. Yes, your, yeah. your break meter goes up. Yeah, that's that's right. The break meter. Yeah. Uh, and so in, so the equivalent to that for an NFL blitz is pass interference. So literally <laughs> taking the ball away in that sense and like pushing someone over and getting it, uh, late hits also allowed showboating and excessive celebrations. So guys, is this just the XFL? I was just about to say, this is legit XFL. This is what the XFL wanted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And you can actually do wrestling moves. You can suplex someone, elbow drop, leg drop people, uh, especially even after the whistle is blown and they probably encouraged it. Oh, for sure they did, yeah. And my favorite part about this that I completely forgot about is uh, Raiden and uh, Shinnok, uh, characters from Mortal Kombat, are unlockable characters in this game. <laughs> so playing like Raiden and just like running down the field with Raiden would be hilarious. That'd be random. Oh, I'd love to play as like Scorpion or like Sub-Zero on the field. That'd be cool. Yeah, you can like run on walls in this game. Like, it, and the thing about Madden uh, games in general was that there are they were already pretty arcadey mm-hmm. just because of the limitations with the engine and stuff like that. And so I, I guess like when when these games came out, they were like they just took that and but they kind of just elevated it to a sense where like you know they real they try to be realistic and in arcadey, but like with these games, it was just like let, let's just make it full arcade. Let's do that really well. And uh, you can run on walls. You can. I, I think you could also be on fire and actually like. Yeah, you, you always have to yeah. be on fire, so you can hit people while while being in flames. Yeah, you always have to. You have to always be in Super Saiyan mode. Yep. Wow, the the NFL. So it says here that the NFL actually didn't care about the development uh, before the launch. They just were like, whatever, make a game. Uh, and then they didn't realize that how much violence was going to be in the game, <laughs> and so they offered to refund Midway's license fee. Really? Uh, so yeah, this is crazy. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this. So uh, in the second NFL Blitz game, in the 03 one, I believe it is, Midway changed it a little bit to stop doing uh, late hits and graphic violence as much. So NFL Blitz 02 is the one you want to get because that's the one that that the NFL did did not ever want in a game. Interesting. I wonder how they turned a blind eye to that because it's not like they were new to video games at that point. Like they'd had Madden out since the 90s and there was already an NFL Blitz game on, on the N64 yeah and ps1 i believe so like it's not like that this was new to them Uh, clearly this was way too violent for the nfl to be promoting to the young kids and so they ended up going with nfl blitz pro which tied in with nhl hits pro uh, as well as mlb uh, loaded and this was just midway's kind of push to be more realistic and more of a simulation game rather than an arcade game 
and this backfired on midway because like we said the nhl hits pro segment it no one really bought it because you already had someone who was doing it just as good and the the whole appeal of buying a midway game like this was to do crazy stuff like (laughs) like wrestling moves (laughs) or having mortal Kombat characters in the series right so that was uh that was kind of the death blow for the for them was blitz uh, pro yeah, it seemed like Midway was kind of deaf to what made the these franchises popular amongst fans, and they kind of took away that that charm to an attempt to compete, I guess, with the other guys. I don't know why they thought that was a great idea, but one one thing, other things was like uh, somewhere around like two thousand five or so was like when DLC started happening, mm-hmm. and re- and companies really wanted to make an extra buck using DLC, and uh, these games didn't really cater to that. There wasn't really much DLC you could add into the game uh, at this point to make it more profitable. I mean, obviously with 2K games now, you can like have like my character and you can like, you know, purchase power-ups or like extra gear that made you made you statistically better than the rest. Uh, but at, at the time, they, they, you know, DLC was also really fresh. Uh, people are still testing the waters and mm. uh, ultimately the games like these didn't really cater well to DLC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. True. All right, Backyard Football? Sure, Backyard Football. Another Backyard Sports game was released on October 10th, 2002. This game was uh, not well received. It got mostly sixes. (laughs) Uh, This was a platform exclusive, though, to the GameCube, which is kind of neat. Also developed, as we know, by Humongous Entertainment, published by Infogrames, which was a subsidiary of Atari. So I should just say that off the top. So it's basically an Atari game. On the case, we have Donovan McNabb. Oh, uh, yeah, not too bad. If you want to wow. pick this game up, it's about the cost of, well, $10. I don't know what is $10 other than backyard football. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say with that. I just don't know. It's pretty rare to find a GameCube game for 10 bucks these days, though. That's very true. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the cheapest GameCube games out there. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything to say about backyard football on the GameCube. I honestly, uh, we already talked enough about this franchise, I think. I got barely anything to say unless Brian or, or Harrison has anything to say. Is uh, is Michael Vick in backyard <laughs> Football? Oof. Too soon. What do you mean? Not, it's, it's... Well, the Super Bowl, <laughs> instead, of, instead of the Super Bowl, they had the Super Colossal Cereal Bowl. Oh. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't say the world Super Bowl because it's, it's trademark. Uh, so we are going to save uh, the NFL street game for uh, Braden to come on. So we are going to bid adieu to Harrison and Brian here. So thank you so much, both of you, for coming on to talk about these arcade sports games. It has been a pleasure having both of you again. And uh, we hope that you'll be on the show again soon. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for inviting me back. Of course. Yes, yeah, any time. Uh, I, I, know, I know you and Marty had a little tiff there. Hope we just keep that going next time Marty comes on. I hope it gets yeah, worse. We can go jump in a lake. <laughs> What's in the lake? Uh, shame. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be that would be rough. Okay, fair enough. Take care, guys. Toodaloo. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Braden Kerr to the episode. I believe this is Braden Kerr's first appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. My, this is all right. Uh, we, that is correct. We all remember Dan only Daniel by Kerr. name. I was on previous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only Braden's name has shown up in previous. <laughs> oh, okay. So now uh, we have a voice. Yeah. Good. But yeah, his uh, uh, Braden's uh, brother Daniel uh, was on earlier for the Smash episode that he did a smashing job at, and now Braden's going to talk about the one game. Well, we're going to talk about both games, but Braden specifically will be talking about the one game he's always wanted to get, which is NFL Street and NFL Street Two. It's his white whale. So NFL Street was released on January fourteenth, two thousand and four, also on PS Two and Xbox. Developer was EA, uh, also published by EA Sports Big. On the case, we have, let's see here, a bunch of people. We have Barry Sanders, Shannon Sharp, and Ricky Williams. NFL Street 2 was released that same year on December 22nd, 2004. 
Uh, also on PS2, Xbox, and the PSP. Love that system. And then same thing, developed by EA, published by EA Sports. On the case, we have Jeremy Shocker, which is a fantastic name. I hope that's his real name. Okay, let's get into it. NFL Street. So yes. it's funny because this clearly was released right after the NFL Blitz uh, Midway Games, eh? Just like a, a, an obvious attempt for EA to get in on this arcade aspect of the NFL games. Yeah. And I mean, it, it attracted a large audience and it reviewed very well. Both games scored in the nines. Mm -hmm. uh, they sold respectively well and they're still selling today. Brayden, you're, uh, as of today, seeking out a copy of NFL Street 2. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, quite a fan. <laughs> I've only actually played it a handful of times. <laughs> uh, but it, it really stuck with me. Um, and actually, any time I am talking about the GameCube, I kind of bring it up, despite it being on other platforms, just because uh, I associate it with the GameCube uh, heavily. That would be the best version of the game. Every time we talk about a cross-platform game, the GameCube version is always the better version, even though it never actually is. It always is. Always. Always. <laughs> well, that's good to know that you... When, so when did you play it? Like, how long ago was it that you played it? And it is now uh, long after the GameCube has died, so you've had lots of time to pick it up. So what? What? how long ago did you play it? Were you a young boy, or was this, like, in the college days? Oh, this was, uh, I'd say, medium. I was medium age. Uh, <laughs> Um, I uh, started playing it after the GameCube cycle had ended, uh, so I would say okay. probably 2009, 2008. Um, All right. And yeah, I would like, uh, for me, I would go every summer to like a camp that my family ran. And uh, one summer, my cousin brought up his GameCube and he brought three games, DDR, <laughs> NFL Street 2, and Mario Strikers. Ooh. And we had just finished like a marathon of like uh, the longest yard, Gridiron Gang, Stomp the Yard, like all these football movies. Sweet. And so uh, <laughs> that really set me in the mood to uh, get into it. To get into DDR. Right? Oh, yes. Uh, I was good yeah. <laughs> for a young lad. <laughs> but uh, when we were playing NFL Street uh, 2, it came very apparent really quickly that uh, Exhibit was in the game yes and uh, who is exhibit uh brayden for for those playing at home well you don't know exhibit is a rapper slash uh showrunner and producer at the time he had a show called pimp my ride yes that's right uh where he would get people's vehicles and customize them and usually just put a tv in for some reason <laughs> that does feel very early 2000s yeah, yeah but he was a key figure in the game because the whole point of the game was to like beat his team and like acquire it. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of like the beginning of that uh, that phase where a lot of brands were getting in on, um, I guess, the whole like street hits, all that stuff. Where kind of like the Red Bull era of just extreme sports mixing in with yeah. brands. That's why we love bands like Limp Biscuit and and stuff like that because they're so heavily tied to to just that. Um, that community. Mm -hmm. Well, Pimp, Pimp My Ride is kind of in that same vein, though, as like Jackass. I, I kind it of, I definitely sure. associate that with that whole MTV thing. Yeah, that's the MTV era in, in that sense. Like the second wave of MTV. Right. Could call and it. the last, probably, at this point. <laughs> Just like Ska, it hasn't come back <laughs> yeah. since the 2000s. So, the, so NFL Street, obviously, EA Big, it's very similar to FIFA Street, as we were talking earlier with Marty. And the big part of this that everyone loved and that I love is the style points yes. uh, aspect of the game. 
uh, where you, as a player, you uh, every time you like complete like a, a certain move or style move, I guess you could call it, uh, which is usually like a massive play that like a massive catch or something, or when you taunt the other team, which was my favorite thing to do, uh, you get enough style points that you get the game breaker, uh, which lasts the entire drive. And that's like, that's also the same thing from right. NBA Street. Yeah, it essentially gives you like infinite turbo for a short amount of time. So you're moving extremely quickly. Yeah. Um, but what's different in the second game from the first is that you can choose not to use it. And then you build up a second needle and then you enter God mode, mm. which means you can't get like <laughs> tackled. You can't fumble. You just are essentially invincible. <laughs> and uh, Neil, uh, to bring this back to uh, what we we're talking about before, Maxim as well gave this game a five. I'm just seeing that. Five. Yeah, I'm uh, just seeing so... that right now. I'm, okay, fantastic. So they're a huge fan of these. Uh, I wonder what was going on there with EA Sports Bigs and them and then Maxim Magazine. You're right. Yeah, Brayden, it looks like a lot of people were on the same in the same camp as you. This game was very both these games were very well received yeah despite them coming out like a year between each other not even yeah from january to december so like uh like 11 months basically i was playing i was playing the first game uh not too long ago uh in preparation (laughs) for this episode um good good and uh, it did not age too well unfortunately but i'm sure (laughs) uh the second one's a bit more polished yeah now do you have some uh some stats in terms of uh how much these go for neil yeah, NFL Street is about 20 bucks, and then NFL Street 2 is about 30 So they're probably right around the same price. You can probably pick them up anywhere between 20 and $30. $30. Well, I, I can tell you that I have never seen NFL Street 2 on GameCube for less than $30. And I have looked in every game store on Earth for Brayden to find that game, and he still doesn't have it for that reason. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's 40. I guess it's actually 40 for the, yeah, around 40 40, now for NFL Street 2. If you want to try and pick it up a bit cheaper, it's definitely cheaper on PS2. I guess that's where it's sold better. But yeah, Brayden is only after that sweet, sweet GameCube version. Oh, for sure. Oh, because it's the best version. Yeah. (laughs) The controller. (laughs) It's it's funny because what I like about this game, because I never was into the other sports titles and anything like that. Because those games were mm-hmm. much more like... Um, yeah, in Madden. It was very much a simulation game. Yeah, I was never really into that. I much, much prefer uh, being in control, having the playoff focus, uh, being on who you are and swapping. Uh, and that's what this game was. It was much more uh, intimate for the playoff. The single player wasn't too engaging, but uh, where it shined was through couch co-op which isn't really a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these like GameCube games that are party games are fantastic for having someone sitting beside you. Yeah, uh, An interesting thing with NFL Street as well, and I believe this is the only time that EA Bake did this, is that NFL Street 2, uh, maybe this is why it's more, more expensive, uh, NFL Street 2 is actually com- compatible with Madden NFL uh, 06, uh, so the EA's actual simulation game. So you can actually import players uh to both games which is really cool uh i don't know of any other uh game that that they did would that, that be for. on the gamecube version too then or is that like on the x like online that's a gamecube version how as would well. you import players i guess from saves from your memory card yeah from would... the memory card yeah uh, yeah it, from the memory card if, if you had other games uh on your memory card as well like metroid or like other like main uh nintendo games you get like point into the game oh. and those would be used towards customizing uh 
the character or buying new stadiums and stuff like that. So this is almost a precursor to Amiibos in that sense. <laughs> like that's the first thing I thought of when you just mentioned that. I would say this almost does more than what Amiibos do. <laughs> I would say that uh, the soundtrack is a bit lacking, unfortunately. There's only like 10 songs, no notable ones. You have some 41 in there. That's notable. It, it's not one of the ones I know off the top of my head. I can tell you okay, that. Okay, <laughs> just looking at bands that I know, you got Corn. Not as good as Limp Bizkit. Not as good as Limp Bizkit. Changed my mind. Yeah, it's some 41, uh, No Reason. Oh, No Reason, yeah. So off of yep. off of Chuck. Off of Chuck, yep. Oh, this soundtrack's not bad, actually. I mean, you got, okay, you got some 41. Uh, we had Papa Roach. So not a bad soundtrack. Not as good as the NFL, uh, sorry, NHL hits franchise. But uh, this one comes fairly close. Oh, and of course, you have an Exhibit uh, doing Hey Now. Uh, and, uh, oh, DMX is in it. Of course. We'll tear it up. Yeah, it can't be an NFL street game without a DMX. Nope. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Brayden. We really appreciate your insight into the NFL street franchise because I had almost none, and neither did Neil. So thank you for your valuable insight. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. Hope to see you again soon for uh, another episode. But uh, with that... uh, that is uh, the end of our episode. So, Neil, as we often do for uh, these games and for these compilation episodes, of all the games that we've talked about so far, I know there's a lot of them, but are there any that really stand out to you as must-own games for the GameCube? Yeah, for me, I, I, the only one that I own from this list of games is NHL Hits 2002. That game is phenomenal. I love it. I have I have a nostalgic, fond memories of it, so that's probably why uh, I would have to recommend that one over all the other ones. Also, I mean, I love hockey, and it, hockey and just translating into a sports game, I think it translates very well. Um, if I had to pick a game that I don't already own from here, um, I'd probably pick up one of the NBA street games mm-hmm. just because of the history behind it and what it mean, what it meant for EA sports. Uh, so probably the first NBA street game or the third one, because it, uh, contains Mario, Luigi and peach. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go with NBA street three. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, so for me, I guess then I got to say red card. Oh. Uh, I got to say either red card or NFL blitz. Oh, two. Only for the violence. Yeah. <laughs> because those are games that you will never, ever, ever see again. Where maybe you'll see like a mode of, of the hits and things like that in new NHL games and stuff like that. For NFL Blitz 02, right. you will never, ever see that game again. So, uh, yeah, those would be my recommendations for pickups. Yeah, anytime you can get violence in a sports game, I, 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 I highly recommend it as well. I think it's the most fun. And that's what makes sports fun, unfortunately, is like the violence in them. And when they take it out, <laughs> it kind of strips it away from just that extra nudge that the games had, especially from the 90s and 2000s when, like like we noticed, uh, the NFL didn't really care about the development of it. And then they had to go back and polish it yeah. and take that out because technically they don't want it. But yeah. All right. Cool. So... Thank you all for listening to the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Episode 12 next week will be Pac-Man and Super Monkey Ball. Yes, I know they're not really related. Just deal with it. They're close <laughs> enough. I mean, they're they're kiddie <laughs> yeah. games. They're, everyone has fond, fond memories for them. They're colorful. They're bright. They're charming. Their stories make no sense. Yeah. N- yeah. We went from arcade sports games to a different kind of arcade game. Yeah. 
Pac-Man and Super Monkey Ball. Exactly. So we will be talking about four games on this episode. We'll be talking about Pac-Man World 2, World 3, Super Monkey Ball 2, and Super Monkey Ball Adventure, all for the Nintendo GameCube. And I have played uh, a little bit of these games, but honestly, this world I don't know that much of, so I'm pretty excited to do some research and share with everyone what we've found out. Definitely. And uh, of course, everyone, thank you so much for your support every week. We're really loving the uh, interaction that we're starting to pick up now on social media. Follow us on Instagram, the GameCube pod. Uh, Mike and I are also on the GameCube Enthusiast Facebook page, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think that actually, actually with episode 11, we may now be the longest running GameCube exclusive podcast. <gasps> I don't know if I want to, wow. I don't know if I can say that definitively, but it feels like I, I've, we've looked at a few and it seems like most of them kind of quit after like episode six. So yes, look at us go. Look at that. We're trucking right along here. No matter what, we're going to keep going to get to all 555 North American games. I'd also like to just give a shout out to uh, Game Puns uh, with Ben and Ryan. Uh, they are a Montreal DIY-based uh, 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 gaming podcast. They gave us a shout out on their Instagram, so I just want to give them a shout out in this podcast. Check them out on YouTube. I believe that's where you can best find their podcast. That's where I found them. Yeah, they're really cool. Hopefully, we maybe mm-hmm. we can uh, work with them on something cool in the future. Who knows? Yeah, do a little collab uh, episode. Ooh, love it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good have a good day, everybody. Take care. <laughs> Take care. See you later. Bye. GameCube. Over six hundred games you've never heard of. GameCube. Product of what happens when you think inside the box.